looking for an apartment sucks wherever you live. People in New York will say, oh, it's so hard to find an apartment here. It's hard to find an apartment anywhere. It stinks. You have your mandatories. You have the things that you won't compromise on. You have the things that you don't care about. Like, let's say, oh, I need a dishwasher. I need a dishwasher. I can't live without a dishwasher. I don't care if I don't have a washer and dryer. Some people feel the exact opposite. Some people don't need any amenities. Some people need an elevator. Some people don't. That's so beautiful. We all need different things. And that's why Apartments.com has an app where you can literally use it to tell it what you need and what you don't need. And it tells you, oh, apartments. Here's some. So instead of looking through every single rental listing you possibly can in the neighborhoods you want, you set and forget, like in that old rotisserie grill ad, you set and forget what you want and Apartments.com will let you know when an apartment that matches what you want appears on the market. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking are listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com's instant alerts mean you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. You will drain us. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. Here's a breaking news item related to that. Miles Teller's wife once got him a toilet for Christmas. That's a great gift. That's such a good gift. Well, when you read the details of it, which come from a men's health profile of Miles Teller, who let's not even get, I mean, we can't get into him in a second, but it's about how like he used a Toto toilet once and he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then his Been wife there, was like, honey. yeah, I know. Trust me. And then his wife was like, oh, I'll get you one. Like, we're famous. We're rich. We can, we can have our own Toto. Oh my God, this toilet is so great. It's great. The only other thing in this profile that this page six didn't excerpt, although maybe it's in there, if this is just the headline, maybe it's in their thing, is he responds to being called a dick. Like, do you remember that Esquire profile of him where the writer was like, so he's a dick? <laughs> They're like, well, he's dickish, but in a great way. But it's like, they just call him a dick the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's not in the page six aggregation, no. Oh, really? Well, he's like, he says, it's frustrating because my parents always told me the one thing you take to the grave is your reputation, says the actor who insists his attempts at humor were badly misinterpreted. Okay. All right. This guy's a dick. Come on. He seems like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> he's a hunk. He's a dick. <laughs> they're in, they're profiling him because he's in Top Gun, the remake of Top Gun, right? And that's like what mm-hmm. we're, that's well, like what is it? Well, the sequel, it's not, a, it's not a remake, it's a sequel. And it's eventually going to come out. This is interesting to me because Miles Teller is one of those people that was like, everybody was talking about him and then nobody was talking about him. And then now he seems to be quote unquote back. I think the Top Gun movie is the thing that's supposed to, like, make him a thing again. Remember, what was the movie that he was in that people kind of thought would be his big... The oh, one War with Dogs. Jonah Hill, right? War Dogs. Where it's, like, your arm... Which the is arms not good. One. Yeah, no. The, it was, like, based on a true story. Jonah Hill was in it. He always gives me serious Vince Vaughn vibes. I don't know. Like, he just... he To me, he seems like he's doing a Vince Vaughn impression his entire career. Because he was Whiplash, right? He was Whiplash? I think there was, he was the Whiplash, Whiplash thing. and he was the the great spectacular whatever the great but he the spectacular now thank but you but he wasn't La La Land no and he wasn't no. Neil Armstrong like you know like <laughs> he didn't follow he didn't follow Damien Chazelle around is what I'm saying imagine saying that like just flat <laughs> he wasn't 
Neil Armstrong. He wasn't no, La La Land and he wasn't Neil Armstrong. Right. Never saw the right. Neil Armstrong movie, by the way. Still never saw he wasn't First Man. So I think he's been looking for his thing that's going to make him the thing. And he thinks that it's going to be Top Gun Maverick. But the funny thing about Top Gun is that it was highly sought after role. So yes. a lot of men were vying for this role as Which like is the, crazy to me the new Tom it. Cruise. Right. It's him. So it's going to be, but he's sort of, it, at least based on the trailer, it looks like his rival is Glenn Powell, who we've talked about in the past. So it's like, which of those two is going to come out of this movie bigger than before? Might not be Miles. It might be Glenn Powell. It might be John Hamm. <laughs> it might be Jennifer Connelly. We all might leave Top Gun Maverick and be like, you know who's great? Jennifer Connelly. She right. deserved better. That's what I'm saying. I don't think we're going to leave Top Gun so you know who was great, Miles Teller. I just, yeah, I yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. think so. I just don't think so. Also, I'm reading this funny, the Esquire piece in which they call him a dick a thousand times. She says, uh, the writer says, of course, in between there was this stupid, easy, fun spate of movies in which Teller played characters who do things like tell the waitress that highball glasses are based on his dick, 21 and over, Two Night Stand, Project X, that awkward moment. Okay, I like Two Night Stand. Let's not even get into that. That's a you cute love ass two movie. Night stand. I know. But it is funny that they're listing these movies in which he he does play a dick at least in one part of the movie Mm -hmm. okay fine we can move on he's getting the toilet for christmas great you are listening to who's there a weekly call-in show where we take your questions comments and concerns at 619 who them we're going to start with comments there are more comments than usual this week a lot of these have short answers this one has a short answer okay it's thematic is it really weird to listen to all i want for christmas is you not during the holidays because every year i get really excited um, that i can listen to it when christmas rolls around and not be too ashamed to blast it Um, but i totally listen to it during the year and i'm sure bobby does too actually i'm sure Lindsay does too but you probably would never admit it Um, but i guess to couch this uh in a way that works for your podcast uh clearly all I Want for Christmas is You is a Christmas song, Them. But is it a regular song, Them? And is it, in fact, the only Christmas song that transcends Christmas themdom into regular song themdom? Because if you think about it, no other song really does. I mean, you're not going to play Jingle Bells any other time other than at Christmas or any of those other songs, no matter how well-known they are. But I feel like people really do listen to uh, the inimitable Mariah Carey Um just all year round, and that very much includes that song. It's just, it's a part of the NC canon at this point. I don't know, maybe I'm just still deranged after reading her fantastic biography, which I just finished. Um, anyway, let me know. Crunch, crunch, bye. Basically, the question is, all I want for Christmas, <laughs> it's a Christmas song, them, but is it a regular song, them? One, two, three. Them. Them? Yeah, I think them. so. And also, like, as somebody who does not like christmas music like pretty mm-hmm. much across the board this is yeah. i like all i want for christmas is you so yeah. i feel like it steps outside the box it is our you know probably our, it's our most successful modern christmas song it's a huge it's an enigma kind of technically she really broke the mold and she tried to break the mold again and again and again it didn't quite work i do saw the video for oh santa featuring oh yeah it's like we're still trying to make oh santa happen okay the song that's had the slow burn that i think the only thing that comes close and coming close to all they want for christmas is you you are still miles and miles and miles away but underneath the tree by kelly clarkson i think has it's had a a, 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I hear it more and more every single year. Because I would say the two songs that really did cross over are Last Christmas, Wham, and All I Want for Christmas is You. And each happened, that happened in the 80s, and this happened in the 90s, right? And so, like, we're due for, like, a, a newer one, right? And Last Christmas also grows on me. I like it more and more every year. I like these pop songs. I think they're great. I think they're cute. We get a lot of contenders, and I have to say most of them are trash. Look at look at Gwen Stefani's career. I mean, come on. But I, oh God, can I just like obligatory play her performance of Feliz Navidad because it still Feliz blows Navidad. my mind. I'll yeah, play it. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Honestly, um, it's true. It's tis the season to listen to Gwen Stefani sing Feliz Navidad. That's truly like if like if you're gonna celebrate, <laughs> celebrate with her. Feliz Navidad. Hi, Lindsay Bobby, um, Christmas Mystery Caller here. Thank you so much for solving my mystery. Uh, it was delightful to hear you go on that journey, and I'm excited to report that it was John Batiste. Um, it was for a charity he's involved with called Sing for Hope, which, like, provide music in hospitals, um, and that's why he agreed to do something for my random-ass company. Um, I will say, however, it was a pre-recorded performance uh, because he could not make room in his schedule to attend our Zoom performance live, uh, which was mostly fine because his music was beautiful. However, there was one section where he led a quote-unquote sing-along of um, You Are My Sunshine, and he looked out and he told us that we all had such beautiful voices. Um, and I felt a little bit like he maybe wasn't being fully honest there. Um, anyways, uh, it was a great time. Thank you for all of the fun John Batiste facts. It, like, increased my enjoyment a lot. Um, and go to Form Bella Thorne. Bye-bye. You solved her mystery. I solved it. And then he performed pre-recorded. <laughs> he pre-recorded. I wonder how many companies he sent that video to. I know. <laughs> True. That's cool. Happy to help, even though I didn't really help. You but helped. But it looks like... You helped. Did she win? Didn't... Weren't they like... Wasn't there a prize for guessing? Like, did she get it? I don't... Like, or was there not? Was it just for a fun? No, she okay. said there wasn't a prize. She was like, mm. there's not even a prize for guessing. Mm. She didn't know if she wanted to spend the time there. You know, I ran into a mutual friend of ours uh-huh. on the street uh-huh. earlier this week, and she said another mutual friend of ours had a holiday party at their company, and it was mandatory, and you had to go watch circus performers on Zoom. Torture, torture. For That's 90 literal minutes. torture. That's literally... 90 minutes. God, this is... Who Media did not have a mandatory holiday party. We did not. Yeah. We didn't do that to each other. <laughs> uh, next call. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Long time, long time. I just had to pause the pod and call. Um, it's weird that you were talking about Suzanne Summers and not mentioning Step by Step, which I imagine like any old millennial would sort of clock her as the mom from Step by Step. So I'm just wondering, um, is Step by Step a who or a them. Um, I assume, like, 
your full houses and your family matters is are them um and there are some of those sort of like older sitcoms that are who's but I don't know where step by step falls in the equation. Um Scarjo Yummy Popeye. You know, Step by Step also had one of the funniest theme songs. Remember how like step by step. <laughs> remember it's like and we're just like day by day. We'll make it all again. <laughs> the second time around. The, the second, second time, time around. When you think about it, the cinematic ending of that song is, like, really crazy. It's crazy. It goes on for so long. It was, like, lo- it, like, went on. It went off and on. And they were always at the same amusement park. They'd have to refilm it as the kids got oh older every year. God. And they'd always be at the same amusement park. And the other funny thing is this, the dad, the bomb was Suzanne Summers, but the dad was Patrick Duffy, who we've Patrick now Duffy. talked about, like, He's a thousand around. times. I know. He's always around. Yeah. When we're talking about the genre of early 90s TV family sitcoms about houses that have way too many people in them, I always preferred Step by Step to Full House. Better show, in my opinion. There was just there was more going on. Me it too, was actually funnier. Maybe Full House always was a little too saccharine for me. Yeah. Step by Step and Family Matters like way up there. Full House and Boy Meets World. I hate to say I do not like Boy Meets World way <laughs> down there, in my opinion. Well, also Step by Step and Full House were the same plot. Blended family. I mean, they were just like, oh, two families, there's too many kids. And that's like literally both of those shows. Well, Full House, it's not really... It was about a death, a widower. You're right. Step by Step was explicitly about like a very early 90s trend of like, isn't it funny that like everyone divorces now? So it's like Step by Step was a a divorce movie. Right, you're right. Full House was like all the uncles and aunts move into the house or whatever. Yeah, which was like, get your own house. Full House was very much like, get your own house. At least Step by Step, them all living in the same house made sense. Uh Like I guess at the beginning it made sense because Jesse and Joey move in to help Danny out. But by the end, you're like, move out. Get out of there. I I don't want to talk about Full House anymore. Did you ever see that movie, Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even? Uh Uh-huh. Very similar to the step-by-step situation. Yeah. But I don't know why we didn't bring up step-by-step. I loved step-by-step. I always forget that Suzanne Somers was the mom, weirdly, but I will never forget that that Patrick Duffy was the dad. So maybe that's just my own blind spot. Uh, I'm going to play the theme song again because it's fun. The guy who wrote the theme song also wrote the Full House theme song. This guy was pretty prolific. He wrote, his name was Jesse Frederick. He wrote Perfect Strangers, Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step. He wrote all of He wrote of Family songs. Matters too? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because the Family Matters one is probably the best one of those. Yeah. Not counting Step by Step, I mean. If only because it begins with a <laughs> it has the most iconic opening, in my opinion. Wait, how does it go again? Yeah, oh, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> They're all, like, incredible. <laughs> it's a rare thing. 
conditions this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. I mean, even the end of Full House is like the do da da ba ba da. Like this guy has a real, <laughs> yes. he has like a signature, you know? Yeah, he has one wheelhouse and he doesn't leave. Yeah. Next call. Hello, Lindsay and Bobby. I just had to pause the podcast when you were talking about the Erica Jane stuff and you were like, what kind of phone is this? What app is this? This seems like it's really old. So famously, Tom Giard, the the texts are old. However, it's not the phone that makes them old. Famously, Tom Giardy does use an old Nokia flip phone to this day. We know the texts are old, not because of the flip phone, not because of the 3G, but because of the date on the messages that say things like, they say like Wednesday, January 6th or something. I don't remember the exact date, but there was some sleuthing by Bravo fans done, and they figured out that the last time that date was on a Wednesday was 2016. So these texts are at least from 2016, more likely to be honest from 2011, because like truly who uses 3G anymore? Like even though he still uses that flip phone, probably 2011, also like, you know, the style of the jeans in the photos is like more 2011 or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, people are saying it's either 2016 or 2011. Literally old text. Like, she deleted it immediately afterwards because she knew people were going to find out. I'm just saying. Crunch, crunch. Fascinating call. Love a Bravo expert. Bravo sleuths are serious. To be like, when was the last time January 11th was a Wednesday or whatever? Wow. Also, here's my thing. If you're going to cheat, you better get yourself an iPhone. It's so much easier to juggle these things. You're, you're trying get to... Get a burner. You're trying to like do all this stuff on an old phone. Like Get a grip. Like uh, it's a, That's a mess. That's get a cheater messy. phone. Get a cheater phone. I feel like if you're cheating, like get a phone and that's the phone you cheat with. I'm right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've consumed uh, enough content in the modern age to know that like get a burner phone if you're going to do something like that. I'm just saying it's one thing to have a grandpa phone if you're only making one call and a few text messages. But if you've got a whole thing going on, you can't be using an old <laughs> flip phone. Those weren't made for that. If you're like sending and receiving sexy blue jean photos, yeah, like you got to get a burner get a flip phone. phone. Get a better phone. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um. Next call. Hi, right, guys. Long time, long time. I literally just hung up with my sister on FaceTime because she told me that Louis Capaldi fans are referred to as big, fat, sexy jungle cats. Um, that's it. Crunch, crunch. Bye. This is true. Confirmed. He did say on the radio, grown. I get people coming up to me, grown men saying I'm a big, fat, sexy jungle cat. And that's great when you're in the street surrounded by strangers. Someone is shouting at you. I'm a big, fat, sexy jungle cat from the car. And people are looking at you like, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. We found a video of him explaining this a while ago. So I'm just going to play the clip here on hits. H-I-T-Z. You know how like uh, artists have fan FCs, right? And they call themselves a certain type of thing. Uh, what yeah. are Louis Capaldi fans called? Uh, this is something that I made a joke about a, a couple of months ago, well, about last year, and it's it stuck. Mm-hmm. I decided 
that the people who listen to my music would be called big fat sexy jungle cats and i don't know why uh, i don't know and it was almost like a joke and people have kind of taken it and running with it so uh, so yeah if you if you listen to my music if you've heard someone you loved and you love it you are a big fat sexy jungle cat so even he says i don't know why i came up with it but if you listen to my music you're a big fat sexy jungle cat i like that i was browsing his wikipedia discography to seeing how he did like post that one hit if you could call him a one-hit wonder and his second Mm -hmm. singles did pretty well in the uk obviously in scotland they did amazing ireland they did good uh but like I feel like that the the other songs didn't really click as much as they did here in the U.S. as Somebody You Love, which went number one. His song or right after that went pretty high, Babe, Before You Go. But after that, because mm-hmm. the album did really well. His album was called Divinely Uninspired to a Hellish Extent, did well. But he kind of, I feel like he kind of not fell off, but like, you know, waiting to see what happened next and then pandemic, you know? Yeah. But he still is a delightful character. I think he's here to stay. I follow him on TikTok and he did a funny ad for Borat where he was like, you know what? I haven't been able to tour. I'm like not making as much money. So I just really need to like figure out what I'm doing here. My budget is terrible. And then it clicks to him and he's wearing the like Borat like. Oh, no. Ba- like terrible bathing suit thing. But he's wearing it like he they put a full body, a, like a flesh colored bodysuit on him. And oh then he's God. wearing it. And you're like, that's mm-hmm. pretty funny. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. He's funny. And finally, never forget, he wrote Rita Ora's How to Be Lonely. He exactly. wrote that How song. to be a lonely. He gave us how to be a lonely. <laughs> how to be a lonely. And because we opened this segment with Christmas, I don't want to monopolize things as someone who celebrates Just Christmas. Just play it's the rude call. To Lindsay. You have to it's pretend like to it was demanded by the people. Hey guys, it's me. I just called and I'm calling back because when I was thinking about who's in the Christmas songs, it got me thinking about Lindsay's updated um Hanukkah song Adam Sandler Hanukkah song and I loved it and thought maybe she should recap it again this year we'd love to hear it love you guys bye yeah I wasn't gonna do this again Hanukkah's literally over but the demand is here and I don't do anything half-assed so I literally rewrote it all for 2020 is it gonna become a yearly thing let's not let's not pretend like it It is but this year we I think we needed it as a culture Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna. Cl- I haven't My listened to it. Lindsay almost sent it to me last night. Worse than it is, and worse than it's ever been. I'm excited to hear. Bobby it. hasn't go. heard it yet. Three minutes and seven seconds. I'm sorry, it's the full song. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Hanukkah is. The Festival of Lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have a crazy night. When you feel like the only kid in town without a Hallmark movie. Here's a list of famous people who are Jewish, just like you and me. Joseph Gordon-Levitt lights the menorah. So does Helena Bottom Carter, Ellen Barkin, and Diana Agron Nora. Guess who eats outdoors at Veselka 2nd Avenue? Madison Beer and Pete Davidson, who is certainly still a who. 
both Phoebe Bridgers and Phoebe Waller-Bridge aren't Jewish, you know. Good thing the only Phoebe we recognize is Lisa fucking Kudrow. Woo! We're not really out here celebrating with our families, but you can spin a dreidel socially distanced from Jennifer Connelly. Put on your yarmulke, it's time for Hanukkah. No millennial Jew will ever let you forget it, uh, that Drake celebrates Hanukkah. Anna de Armas. Not a Jew. I didn't think she was, but she's not. But guess who is the Paul Reiser from Mad About You? Remember that reboot? We got Josh, Gad, Rachel Bloom, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Jake Gyllenhaal's Jewish too, and I bet Bobby would convert it. Some people think that John Krasinski is one. Well, he's not, but guess who is? The one and only Scarlett Johansson. So many Jews are in showbiz. Katie Cuoco isn't, but her flight attendant poster Zosha Mamet is. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time you celebrate Hanukkah. We still no longer claim Harvey Weinstein on this happy, happy Hanukkah. So drink your detox tonicas and eat your marijuana gummies. If you really, really wanna go, have a happy, happy, happy belated Hanukkah. Happy belated Hanukkah. <laughs> belated Hanukkah. <laughs> detox tonicas. Kaylee Cuoco Zoja Mamet is. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's well. very good. That was you one up yourself. I guess you're gonna have to do this every year. No, you're those were have to some hard year. rhymes. Saying Phoebe Waller Bridge and Phoebe Bridgers, like even just saying it normally, singing it, oh, impossible. But I had to make that Phoebe thing work. I had to. <laughs> the joke you do about like naming people and then being like, they're not Jewish, but you know who is this one? I, I was like, oh, I didn't know both Phoebes were Jewish, and then you're like, they're not. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. But Jake Gyllenhaal is. I would convert. I was really proud of that of that phrase that you would convert is, and then I had to add on I at the end is. That's really good. Thank you. Really good. Thanks. Great. Really following in Adam's footsteps here. I mean, it's not easy. Great work. It's not easy. Great there's work. a lot of there's a lot of forced rhymes. Not everything rhymes with menorah or Hanukkah. Turns out nothing does. So you really gotta <laughs> you gotta play with the form. Yeah, another year, another Hanukkah song. You're welcome. Great. And now we can move on to questions. Great job, Lindsay. Thanks. We're probably going to get a lot of calls about it, how much they loved it. Yeah, right. Here we go. <laughs> vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills, so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetIns.com slash sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. So Sandra Lee, like uh, semi-homey cooking, Sandra Lee, Kwanzaa cake, Sandra Lee has 
super deranged Instagram content lately. Um, and my favorite one that's new is, um, she made, she did a, she asked people if they wanted to have this idea. It's a festive idea to celebrate Feliz Navidad, which anybody with a rudimentary understanding of Spanish knows makes no sense, um, which is hilarious in and of itself, but also the recipe is, uh, tropical themed, she says, which also makes no sense. Um, anyways, it's pretty funny and all of her content's pretty great. She also until lately had like almost no followers, but now she does. But I don't know if she's a who or a them, but she is, you know, our former first lady of New York. Um and an icon in my eyes. But anyway, check it out. Crunch crunch. I have a theory about her. I think she knows what she's doing here. Because this is appalling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get into the Feliz Navidad trifle, I can't even. I this woman did not take in years of of grief about the Kwanzaa cake and then make a Feliz Navidad trifle in full seriousness. I would love to be on your team and I say just... that I believe she's one hundred percent in on it. I may be sixty five percent convinced that she's in on it. I, I, just... I don't know, but she she's been in the news a lot lately because she moved out of. Um, the house she lived with Cuomo, the the governor, because they were together. They were never married, but like they were together for a really long time. So she was sort of like the de facto first lady of New York. And it was a weird, kind of a weird couple. She has um, in that time since kind of like coming off the food network. And then she, you know, she uh, battled breast cancer and, and, you know, was in the news a lot for that and blah, 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 blah. Since her peak, Another Sandra Lee has taken her place as the most famous Sandra Lee, the pimple popper. Which is hilarious because, not to me, but I know to most people. I know most people know that Sandra Lee is the pimple popper. I didn't, mm-hmm. not to me, but because that show, I can't even think about that show without wanting to die. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think about that show. However, pus oozing out of a pimple has a lot in common with a lot of the food that Sandra Lee made. <laughs> so I do... <laughs> I do Ouch. think there's a, there's a there's a I, I will there. say I'd rather watch pus ooze out of a pimple than have to eat this uh, Feliz Navidad trifle for many reasons. This Feliz like... Navidad trifle, she does. It's not quite as egregious as the Kwanzaa cake, which was, in case you don't remember, her saying, "Let's celebrate Kwanzaa." I'm gonna make up a cake. I'm just gonna like make up a cake to celebrate Kwanzaa. Right. This one she claims has an origin from a friend and old roommate. But I'm also like she says it's to celebrate Feliz Navidad. She doesn't necessarily know that doesn't mean Christmas. Yeah, I think what's happening here is that she thinks Feliz Navidad is how you say Christmas in Spanish. She doesn't realize that Feliz Navidad is the like greeting or salutation itself. It's the address Merry Christmas in Spanish. And so that just led to this very deranged Instagram caption. Feliz Navidad. Okay, I do think, yes, one of her best friends and roommates from college came up with this recipe. I do think this recipe was locked and loaded. This recipe would find a way to exist without her knowing how to say Feliz Navidad. But I have to play it for you. It's like 50 seconds long. It's on her Instagram. One of the things she's doing is she's getting back into the semi-homemade thing. But from what I can tell, it looks like semi-homemade is not a name she can use anymore. I'm not sure if that's a contractual thing. Maybe she just doesn't want to. I don't know. But she's calling this series of videos that are on Lifetime and her Instagram homemade. Mm -hmm. They're just called homemade, Mm -hmm. which is wild because by taking out semi, you're missing the thing that makes Sandra Lee Sandra Lee. You miss the semi. Homemade is go anywhere else. Sandra's here for semi. She's here for a semi. 
This is Homemade with Sandra Lee. Got a great recipe for you to celebrate in a tropical way. We're going to make fruit cocktail trifle. Into the bottom of a trifle bowl goes a pound cake, which has been cubed. Then I like to put just candied cherries on that. I want you to then take your fruit cocktail, put that all over the top, and let the juice just meld into the cake. That'll give it all sorts of great flavor. Whip topping goes on top of this. That's your first layer. You can make your own whip topping or just buy store-bought and embellish with a little bit of vanilla extract. Now, the second layer of pound cake. More canny cherries, two more cans of fruit cocktail, and then the whipped topping. Top with candy cherries and voila, a beautiful tropical twist this holiday season. Now it's a wonderful lifetime. Do you think she's a who or a them, Lindsay? I think she is a who. <sighs> I kind of think she is a who. Not only has she been surpassed by, in popular culture, popular modern culture by a different woman with her same name, she's kind <laughs> of reduced to like meme culture on the internet. That's kind of how people mm -hmm. see her is like through these videos. But you know, maybe she'll have a comeback. The Sandra Lee brand is strong. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, she does do a thing that no one else really does. She's sort of brazen in like how shitty gross her cakes her are. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paula Dean was alongside her in this battle, but we've canceled Paula Dean off the face of the earth, at least as far as I'm concerned. In high school, I would watch her like as a gag. Like I watched so much Food Network in high school where it was like, it was just, it was a problem. I just watched everything and I loved Sandra right, Lee like and I would always the, laugh at she it She was and the make shitty her. reality TV of your, yeah. food, of your food experience. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to add a pack of ranch dressing to this and now it's homemade. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's, I bought a rotisserie chicken, but then I sprinkled it with but ranch be, dressing but packet. But to be fair, that is my style of cooking. Like I respect the semi-homemade uh, style, you know? That's what I was going to say because I do, I, like, I understand, I understand the appeal because when I would make fun of it in high school and, like, bond with my sister over our shared, like, derangement when it came to watching everything on Food Network, my mom would be like, don't be mean to her, like, uh, a lot of people don't have time and she was like, if I had kids, I would love her recipes, like, if I had, if y'all were young, she meant, like, if I was, like, still as busy as I was, like, back in the day, like, wow, I would I love, love your mom defending like Sandy Lee. Defending. Like, I remember her being like, quit making fun of Sandra Lee, she serves a purpose, so I always keep that she in mind when I think about, purpose. like, this shit. Yeah. Anyway, it's fun to see people come back and, like, try it again. Um, the mean, last thing I'll say about Sandra back. Lee. I'm subscribing. Is... Yes, she had a tropical cake for celebrating Feliz Navidad, but she also has on her Instagram like chapters, what what the archives, she has one of those buttons called Pride. And when you click it, the first thing there is <laughs> Happy Pride. Swipe up for the recipe to this delicious and healthy pizza. Oh my God. When like, you search She doesn't know how to connect things. When you search Sandra Lee on YouTube, you get Sandra Lee Pimple Popper and you get some of the most disgusting. <laughs> I gotta say, like Sandy Lee is lucky if you make it to her if you make it to her channel because you gotta go through the most disgusting. Okay, I gotta close this window. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. There's a new Hulu show about Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson, who I would consider them, but you can you can argue that if you want. I think they're them. Anyways, there's a new show about them. Who is playing these iconic thems? Two true who's in my mind. Lily James, lover but hooey, and Sebastian Stan, also a who. Will playing these iconic them roles 
turn these who's into them's? Or will people still wonder who they are? I don't know. Live in La Vida Laptop. It's interesting that you say that Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson are them's because I would say that they're hooey on the same level as Lily and Sebastian Stan, even though they're on they're hooey for different reasons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They but, were definitely themy at their peak, but they didn't maintain that. But I would say an equal amount of people would know who Tommy and Pam are as would know Lily James and Sebastian Stan. They would just be different people. If you think about it. I think that's, I totally think that's fair. Yeah, that's uh, And fair. I also think that the secret star of this series that we are talking about here that's going to, that's being directed by the I, Tanya guy, I think the secret star is Seth Rogen, which a lot of people aren't mm-hmm. really noticing, but he's playing the guy who stole the sex tape. And I have a little feeling that this is mostly about that guy's story. And like, yes, Tommy and Pam are in it. Yes, Lily James and Sebastian Stan are in it. But I think if it's going to be written by Seth Rogen and his uh, writing partner, Evan Goldberg, I have a feeling feeling that or developed by them I have a feeling that it's going to be kind of like a twisted tale being mostly about like that the the tape being stolen and the journey that the tape goes on because I know the story behind that is really interesting supposedly another reason I think that you are right is because it's not like the Pam and Tommy story was this decades-long affair. It's not like we're talking about, like, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Yeah. It was basically two years. It was, like, two crazy years in the lives of Pam and Tommy when they, like, had a whirlwind romance. They got married. They made a sex tape on their honeymoon. The sex tape got stolen and became, like, the most famous celebrity sex tape of all time. Like, this is not going to span a full decade. At least I I can't see it spanning a full decade. You know, their relationship was short. And and another reason I'm, I'm I, I want to believe what you're saying is because like it seems like an American crime story that can't be called an American yeah. crime story. But also I think the story of the sex tape being stolen, where it went, and how things got, how it got leaked, and whatever all that is that's more interesting than is more else. interesting than them. And I think they know that, and that's why I think this is a little bit not stunt casting, but I'm I think like these two are not going to be the main focus of this show. But you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong when it comes out. Correct I'm sure, me if I'm wrong. I'm sure maybe I could be wrong, but just a guess, just a guess. All of the four people involved, I, I think, think all we have decided they're all who's. But I think it's like in different ways, which is so interesting. Like yeah. to a lot of people, Lily James and Sebastian Stan are not who's. And to a lot of people, Tommy Lee and Pam are not who's because they were such big cultural icons when they were together and separately. I mean, Molly Crew was a big band. Baywatch was a big brand. Like whatever. But I also, mm. but I think it's like kind of like on both sides of the spectrum. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Hi, Who Weekly. Long time. First time. Could you please talk about the crazy article about Allie Larder refusing to do love scenes with Leonard Roberts and thus, like, fucking with his career and why Beyonce was right to beat her ass in Obsessed? Okay, thank you. Crunch, crunch. Love that connection. Great connection. <laughs> Love the connection. Great connection. Did you watch Heroes when it was out? Because it was... I didn't... I never I'm watched shocked Heroes. because it was, was kind of a, a phenomenon. Person. It was kind of a big deal. It was a flash in the pan phenomenon, too. I remember it was like, everyone loved it for two years, and then... Well, the first season was great, and the second season was not as great, and like, that kills mm-hmm. the show. That's that's killed. But it, but its breakout stars was incredible. It had these. It had a huge amount of. Bre- Zachary Quinto was on it, and it was Milo Ventimiglia, Hayden Panettiere. It was a huge stepping stone for a lot of people. Importantly, to this conversation, a lot of white people. Yes, and then Variety came out with a feature this week 
and it's all about the actor Leonard Roberts, who was on Heroes, played Allie Larder's love interest. I will say Allie Larder didn't really break out from Heroes. Like, she was kind of already a vintage that's, vibe. It's so That's kind of, like, the satisfying thing from this. Like, it doesn't <laughs> excuse her behavior, no. but it's, like, a nice little piece of, like, schadenfreude, I guess, where it's like, look, you try to torpedo this guy's career and look at your career. Again, that's a little petty and not the point, but... She was in a movie with Beyonce, but... You know, I'm not sure. Or she gets killed by Beyonce. Yeah. Doesn't she fall off like a balcony and then Beyonce, like, Beyonce, Beyonce like, pushes her into like a glass her. coffee table or yeah, something? Yeah, with the shoe. There's like a shoe moment where she's hanging yeah. by a shoe. Maybe that's just Beyonce. Definitely saw that opening weekend and never again in a packed theater and never it was so again. much fun and never thought about it again never really. Again. So what happened here? In this profile, he writes that it's written kind of through his voice or written by him. Mm-hmm. He writes that essentially he was told via lots and lots of people that Allie Larder did not want to do intimate scenes with him, did not feel comfortable, didn't feel like the chemistry was there. And then he got fired. There was a part of the profile where like people say, oh, well, like the blonde woman always wins out. Like you can never beat the blonde woman, but the person telling him that was a white guy. So he's like, no one on the set really understood what I was going through. Mm. Like I was already like one of the only black people on the set. Like this was tough. The story that was the nastiest part of this was um, they were talking about like Entertainment Weekly covers. And when, and the first season came out and then Entertainment Weekly did one of those things where they were like, collect all the covers. So it was like all of the cast of Heroes, which was a hot show in pairs. And Ali Larder went up to him and was like, like the full quote, I'm hearing our cover is selling the least of all of them. She told me it was the first and only thing she said to me that night. They were doing something at Radio City Musical. And I believe the subtext was clear. I was tarnishing her brand. The next day, or like something like that. This is terrible. They said that they were going to kill off his character. And he was like, what? Mm. So Allie Larder, basically, it's implied that she successfully argued to get this guy off of her show. She did not respond to the Variety story at the time, but she did respond. This is what I think is so fucking weird and petty. She didn't respond to Variety, but she did respond to TV Line when TV Line aggregated Variety. Mm. And she said to TV Line, I am deeply saddened to hear about Leonard Roberts' experience on Heroes, and I am heartbroken reading this perception of our relationship, which absolutely doesn't match my memory nor experience on the show. I respect Leonard as an artist, and I applaud him or anyone using their voice and platform. I'm truly sorry for any role I may have played in his painful experience experience and it's like you're disregarding everything that he says you did it's not about remembering something differently it's about like you said these things to him and did these things like this is wild he's still fortunately like been a very busy actor over the past like 15 years since heroes which is at least good but the argument is like my career would have been completely different had she not done this to me Mm -hmm. he got his start kind of in drumline that was like a big Thing for him the movie drumline than a canon movie which we have talked about on here before he was also an american crime story later which was a pretty it's a pretty big deal and he's been on many many tv shows including ones that are pretty successful but heroes could have been the breakout to kind of the next level for him and because of many reasons it wasn't it really was a huge show like i can't describe how big of a deal this one season of a show was <laughs> that people really and then it just it. fell yeah. off but we can go back to this leonard roberts essay um again it's on variety it's called heroes was supposed to be leonard roberts big break instead it nearly broke him um i guess the nugget of it is at the bottom it's under his essay because he writes his essay and then variety picks it up and they say 
Riety independently obtained a copy of an early draft of the hero's pilot in which Robert's character is referred to as, quote, a white man's nightmare. The people Variety spoke with also confirmed that other series leads had conversations with the hero's writers about their characters, that there were no black writers in the hero's staff in its first season, that black actors were sidelined in cast photos, that Larder did not like working with Roberts, and that Larder was a divisive presence on set overall. Basically, yes, Ali Larder sucks in this situation but a lot of people like everyone involved in the making right. of this show sucks right. but we can move on it's very good that Variety published this kind of in full it's a nice format that lets like both parties do the talking from the reporters at Variety to the actual person who's has a story to tell I don't know it's worth reading um, I don't know if you've been watching the uh, classic rock Twitter feud unfold between you six and Ray Blind I'm just calling it real um, or is it just a bit? And if it's real, what's it about? And it's funny. Thank you. So Dion Warwick has opened the floodgates. I feel like this Eve Six guy is not on the same level as Dion Warwick. Like, they're not, like, communicating on that level. Like, yes, I mean, famous people on Twitter has been, like, a shtick for a long time. Like, oh, are they really tweeting? Is that really them? Like, we've been through this many times with different people. Mm -hmm. I do think that Dion Warwick and the Eve Six guy are coming from different places in terms of, like, what's going on here. I don't think the Eve Six guy was like, look at Dion Warwick's success on Twitter. I gotta hop on. Oh, I don't think he did that either. I think the... The media, the coverage of this, and the like general like atmosphere of excitement on Twitter was more willing to accept this Eve Six behavior and be excited about this Eve Six behavior mm. because we were excited about Dion Warwick. But essentially, the lead singer of Eve Six, I don't know how it was confirmed, but a lot of outlets are writing about it as though it absolutely is Max I'm Collins. Like, aren't there, there are multiple, multiple members in Eve Six? There are multiple Eve Six aren't members. Aren't there six of them? I'm kidding. I have no fucking no, idea. No, there's just... There's just three, and even the the Twitter bio says like Max, John, and Ben. And not to be whatever, but like if you if you're like our age, you know who Eve Six is. But it's a very short range of people who know who Eve Six is to this day. I'm just if saying. you literally were not a, if your years in high school do not overlap with our years in high school at some way, what would that mean? Make it like an eight year range? Yeah. Of like overlap. Right. You don't know who Eve Six yeah, is. Yeah, because you, you just either, don't. You either know Heart in a Blender <laughs> song or you don't know Heart in a Blender song, and that's that's it. Like, and I don't. It's crazy that people are acting like they know who the, who Eve Six is because sometimes I feel well, like here's they to often the night know. too. Here's oh, okay. to the night was also sort of like their like ballad. Yeah. But um, they were that. popular in the late night. Here's to the night. We oh, you. okay. That right. one. Yeah. Okay. Hard in the Blender song. And then that song. Late 90s, early 2000s. This is who this band is. And they are going off on Twitter. And the thing that the caller is talking about is there was a weird interaction specifically. I mean, they've been going around asking period at username Blank, 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 blank. Do you like the Heart in a Blender song? But like just trolling, just like trolling, 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 trolling. just like being very. And honestly, this is very like, I got to say this use of Twitter. It's kind of also outdated in terms of like, you know, we're talking like weird Twitter kind of lowercase, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But he's getting answers. People are responding. Vincent D'Onofrio was like, uh, what's the, what? I don't like it. Hillary Duff responded. No, I was more of this other song. I mean, yeah. they're getting they're getting they're getting play on this. They're getting play on yeah. this. <laughs> and so it, the, the thing that the caller is referring to is he was telling a story, Max, again, it's, it's alleged that this is Max, not the other ones, but telling a story about the third eye blind guy. Can you name the third eye blind guy, by Stephen the way? Stephen Jenkins, of course I can. Oh, well, you you're smarter <laughs> than I am. Yes, Stephen Jenkins. Yeah, he's bigger than the... Stephen Jenkins was way more of a solo guy. Of Stephen a guy Jenkins. That, I'm sorry, but ask... Uh, the, 
Stephen Jenkins is, was way more of a thing, and Third Eye Blind was way more of a thing than Eve Six, even at the time. And Stephen Jenkins did was more, I don't know, like, I don't know, he married Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> How do I not know? Of course I know him. Anyway, so he tells a story about Third Eye Blind because they were sort of in the same category, kind of, but not really in the 90s, where maybe they went on, they were on the same festival lineup oh, or something. Their music really wasn't the same. they overlapped, but I would say Third Eye Blind was more prolific, for sure. Yeah, more prolific, and they were a little older, and they were better, but... The third eye blind guy had me fake arrested by a real cop in Alabama on tour because the night before I'd taken a big jar of candy from the front desk and said, I'm the singer of third eye blind. I can do whatever I want. And they called his room at 3 a.m. yelling at him to give the candy back. Number one, I do believe that story. And number two, it is a hilarious thing to do on tour with the third eye blind guy. Yeah. But then he goes on and says, I have nothing but love for third eye blind guy. He's such an asshole. It's almost generous. He was famously an asshole. Yes. I wish rock stars like that still existed. Like there's an entertainment value to his abject shitty personality that's completely missing in today's culture. It's borderline altruism to be that much of a dick. That's true. And I really, that's a funny sentiment. And I think that he is being completely honest. We're missing the Gallagher brothers of rock star currently, where we have all these nice, we have all these nice guys. We need some villains because the Oasis guys were always assholes. And I guess Stephen Jenkins was an asshole. Where, Where are our assholes, you know? If we can if we can find a way to be a non problematic asshole, like Yeah, that's true. There's a way to be an asshole without right. being like an alley larder. Be rude you know, and not like you problematic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just be mean without actually like ruining the lives and careers of other people. I think we do have that in the form of some of our like diva talent in terms of being kind of like over the top diva, uh, you know, um, uh, not hard to please, but like, you know, picky, specific or whatever. But for women, that's that's villainized in kind of a different way than for men, which is just like, oh, he's a dick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and arguably dick is more socially acceptable than she's right. a diva, even though the behavior is pretty much identical. Right. It's just gendered. Yeah. Oops. This just gives me an excuse to play the pickle juice rant from Nicki Minaj. So if I turn up to a photo shoot and you, ha- and you got a $50 clothes budget and some sliced pickles on... You want to know what? No, I am going to leave. Is that wrong for wanting more for myself, wanting people to treat me with respect? But you know what? Next time they know better. But had I accepted the pickle juice, I would be drinking pickle juice right now. When I am assertive, I'm a bitch. When a man is assertive, he's a boss. Bossed up. He bossed up. And why you can be a dick when you're a rock star and not when you're Miles Teller, I don't know. There's a there's a thin line. I want my rock stars to be dicks, not my like weird, you know, actors and stuff like that. Right. Maybe this Eve Six guy is positioning himself as a weird Twitter dick and troll, and maybe that'll relaunch Eve Six's career. Maybe. Their pinned tweet was pretty sure we're gonna be huge again, so yeah, I love the pen tweet. Pretty mm-hmm. sure we're going to be huge again. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on. I just wanted to play a quick game that's not really a game, oh, Lindsay. Oh, no. A quick game that's not really a game is the... a dangerous proposition. So, Lindsay, this yes. is not a game. It's more of a fill in the blank. I want to see how well you remember the Eve Six song, Inside Out, otherwise known as Heart in a Blender song, because that is one of the lyrics, and the single art is a heart in a blender. Okay, let's see. I bet I know it pretty well. Do you know why they called it Eve Six, by the way? It's so embarrassing. It's, it's a from a X-Files reference. That's embarrassing, yeah. Embarrassing. Okay, here we go. I'm going to just like read a lyric of Eve Six's Inside Out. And when I stop, I'm going to see if you can fill it in. This is going to be like, a segment okay. for some people who are just going to be like, what the fuck are you even? <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to play the song. I would, sw- yeah. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the blank. Rind? Rind? <laughs> 
Yeah, rhymes. It's plural. Rhymes. That's yeah, okay. correct. Come on. Give me that. Okay. Let's say he swallows his doubt and he turns it inside out. What would he find? He would find blank. Find nothing but faith in nothing. Find nothing but faith in nothing. <laughs> That's so good. You're so good. I okay. know. I know the song. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the verses. Okay. Okay. He burns and burns. What does he burn like, Lindsay? Burn, I burn, burn, burn. Like a wicker cabinet. Cabinet. <laughs> there, it is. Cabinet. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay. I burn, burn like a wicker cabinet. The blank, blank of the clock is painful, all sane and logical. The tick-tock of the clock is painful. <laughs> there you go. He hears words and clips and phrases, and he thinks sick. Like what? Ginger ale. Ginger ale. The chorus is too easy. The chorus is too easy. Okay, fine. Okay. So far to the next word, verse. I love this. This line has always stuck oh, in my no. head. Okay. Blank is where my mind states. Like all pain or something? Or no, all... no, no, no. Think about it. Let me finish it. Okay. Blank is where my mind states, but it's not my state of mind. Oh, fuck. I have no clue. I forget. I forget. SoCal. 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 SoCal is where my mind states, but it's not my state of mind. That's okay. great. Followed up by, I'm not as blank as you. Hungry, sad. Ugly, sad. Fuck. <laughs> hungry, sad. <laughs> I thought it was hungry. Ugly, sad. Or am I blank? Or am I origami? <laughs> Keep going. Fold me up and just pretend or something like that. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> or am I origami? Fold it up and just pretend. Demented as what? The moments in my head. The, the something motives. In, the motives the in motives. my head. <laughs> Demented as the motives in your head. Oh, only a couple more because we're going to do the bridge. This bridge is great. Oh, no. Making me blind when your eyes close. Sink when you get close. Blank. Okay, so I now I need to... I don't remember this at all, the, the bridge. I need Make to... me blind when your eyes close. Sink when you get close. Time blank, to blank, the blank, bed blank, post. Blank. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Fucking got it. Yes, yes. Okay, you I got aced it. this. I aced this quiz. Time to the bed Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing. Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go France. to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. 
they've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak, you listen, you think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. What happened to Paula Patton? I love, I love this call so much. What happened to Paula Patton? Well, it's true that we did talk about her a good amount and then not really as much. And also never forget literally the flop of an album that was Paula, which if my shit ex released an album with my name that was such a flop, I would be angrier <laughs> than angry. You know what I mean? Truly. And what sucks is when yeah. you search Paula Patton, the news that comes up first is the fact that Robin Thicke has a kid, has a new kid with his girlfriend or his wife. All of those headlines... That screenshot you sent me, know, all of the headlines when you search Paula it's Patton gross. are about Robin Thicke. Because it's all Thicke. Daily Mail articles. And what they do is after they say, oh, you know, she gave birth, they'll say, Paula Patton is, you know, was famously married to da 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 Robin Thicke, da 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 Like, they'll tell, like, the story of whatever. And that means that her name gets picked up within that, like, news cycle of her ex-husband's new kid, you know? Mm-hmm. But she really is fine. She's on, a, she's on a BET show called Sacrifice. She's the lead. Yeah, it's close. So the, the movie came out on BET late last year. Oh, it's a movie. And okay. It was and a now movie, it's be a but it was always... They called it something. There's like an industry term for it that I had never heard. It was like backdoor pilot where it was like always mm. intended to be a pilot, but they made it seem like it was a movie. And mm -hmm. so for months and months and months and months and months, the cast and crew of this movie that was essentially a pilot secretly was being strung along by BET because they were more or less told this was pr pretty much inevitable and it wasn't officially announced until what, yeah like the fall so now she's gonna have this show which honestly seems pretty good it's a great setup for a show it's basically she's an entertainment lawyer it seems like a procedural where she's like an anti-hero she's like a recovering alcoholic and this super successful entertainment lawyer in los angeles and all of her clients are famous and she does some like dirty deeds to like <laughs> deal with them yeah. like also paula Patton is exactly that vibe like paula she Patton is, is tall and beautiful and like an imposing right. Christine Baranski good wife lawyer you know right. like she's exactly that type of person and I think the show looks tight but like she wasn't really doing much before then over the past few years no and it was announced at the end of 2019 that she'll she's gonna play Josephine Baker in some sort of biopic but who knows if that's gonna go through it was just announced so I mean she kind of she compared to Robin Thicke, who always gets in the fucking tabloid, she kind of lays low in terms of like tabloid stuff, I will say. So yeah. like, she's not really out there. The last time she kind of got tabloided was in 2018. She was dating some guy who said he wasn't married, but was married. That was in mm -hmm. radar for whatever reason. And uh, otherwise, she's kind of just like working, you know. But yeah. when you search Paula Patton, you certainly get what happened to Paula Patton because her drama yes. was so intense, you know.
Mm-hmm. There was a recent headline where also in the summer where she was like meeting up with Robin Thicke and Robin Thicke's fiance and they were like on good terms and hugging. So that was like, okay, so Paula Patton's like down. Like Paula Patton isn't being like petty. Yeah, and they rude. reunited like, to take their son to a tennis lesson and they got pictures of it. Someone got pictures of it. There was something about, and I always feel like this when celebrities do drastic changes to their appearance, like who couldn't or when anyone, not just celebrities, but like when she was dating that guy and getting honestly bad press for dating a guy who was still married, Mm -hmm. whether or not it was deserved for her to get bad press, she was getting bad press. Mm -hmm. And it was like Paula Patton is out here dating a guy who's a real estate agent who is still married. Mm -hmm. She had really changed her aesthetic Like, her hair, the way she dressed, she, like, looked very different. And it was like, oh, what was going on in my head was, like, Paula Patton's going through it. Paula Patton's trying to figure some shit out. Right. And so, like, that kind of break in her career makes sense when you look at it through that angle. Sorry, not to keep going back to this, but, like, I was just looking through page six. And October 19th, 2015, Robin Thicke hits beach with sun and bikini-clad gal pal. August 17th, 2017, Robin Thicke's 22-year-old girlfriend is pregnant. That's the, that was the two. Those are those two are back to back. That's the two articles that we get about Robin Thicke. If you go all the way down to page six. A weird thing about Paula Patton that I we can end on Paula Patton here. But like there was always something sus about it. And I would love because there's always a hooligan who knows some shit. As someone who very openly loves the Mission Impossible movies and thinks that Ghost Protocol's like the number two. Like I love Ghost Protocol so much. Maybe number three. She's in it. And she's sort of the... She's not really the love interest because uh, Ethan Hunt doesn't really get a love interest until the end because with Rachel Ferguson and Michelle Monaghan, but they don't really matter. Mm. She's just like another one of the IMF agents. Anyway, she's great in Ghost Protocol, but she didn't come back for Rogue Nation. Mm, This is such a you topic. Yeah. And the director was asked about it at the time. It was like, you didn't kill her off. And the movie ends with all of them together. Like Simon Pegg's there. Jeremy Renner's there. These people came back. Like, why didn't Paula Patton come back? And he just said she wasn't available. And mm. I've always, I've never believed Not true. That. that is, there's no way that's true. Maybe he's being honest. Maybe she did have something else in the pipeline because there was a time when Paula Patton was like, I'm going to try to be a rom-com queen and it didn't quite work. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what happened here? Because I don't believe that because I feel like that's too big of an opportunity to pass up. Anyway, mm. I don't know if you have any information, I'd love to hear it because I don't believe it. That's sus. That's sus. That's sus. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I believe what Christopher McQuarrie says. Like Christopher McQuarrie's like a weirdo. No, I see what you're saying, and I, I, we can move on. But I, I, I buy. We can it. move on. I buy. It. Anyway, thank you for indulging me. Mm-hmm. I just like mm-hmm. that's always been sus. Mm-hmm. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Um, long time, long time. Uh, I just feel like we don't talk about Carrie Washington enough. I know she's technically a them. This might be something for like a Who Dat episode, but like. She has extremely hooey behavior. I was so disappointed when you guys didn't mention her in the, like, celebs on celebs thing. She did Katy Perry on Carrie, so, like, Perry on Carrie. But her Instagram is just so hooey. And to be clear, I want to disclose that I love her. But, like, every other post is, like, with some celebrity for their birthday. Like, I just like she's always needing an excuse to, like, post a picture with her with, like, some other celeb or, like, a throwback to some other time when she had, like, a lot of clout and, like lots of weird pictures from her scandal days that like just continue to crop up i don't know i just feel like she's like easily one of the most hooey people right now even though she's a them and i mean i'd love to see it i love to interact with it but um i just feel like i want to talk about that phenomenon a little bit anyway um me inside thanks so much bye yes carrie washington is a them but i don't know that i would call this 
hooey behavior. It's definitely basic behavior. It's a little against the grain for someone as famous as she is, but in a way it's also not when you think about it. Mostly I think it's just like the disparity between someone whose characters are so intense and like so intimidating on screen and then her Instagram is like holly jolly Reese Witherspoon. But I do think she, because of kind of the meme culture around Scandal from like her mm -hmm. biggest role to date and like what she's probably most known for, I think she kind of had to like develop a sense of humor and already had maybe a sense of humor about yeah. the whole thing. Uh -huh. And I think that made her kind of like open to like having this kind of like hooey contenty type vibe. And you're just talking about like, I think she, I think you're just the talking Instagram. about like what she's posting, right? Not necessarily mm -hmm. her like vibe, but I think like that's where this comes from. It's from being connected to all that content and having places like Vulture or whatever when I was there especially like do all of this like funny stuff around your character and you engaging with that you know mm -hmm. yeah it really is it's savvy is is, yeah, is more what it's it savvy. is and that's true but it's unexpected for someone as famous because she, she is inarguably a them yeah and you just don't so. really tend to see this sort of behavior from them and so when you see it you're like okay i think it's also like the reese reese witherspoonification of it all like they all want mm -hmm. a piece of that all celebrities that come into contact with reese yeah and i think like they meet like kerry washington and reese work together on uh Pretty Little Fires. Oh, my God. Little, big Little Fires. No, fires. Little Fires, fires everywhere. everywhere. Pretty Little Fires. Sorry. Little Fires everywhere. Little Fires everywhere. Fires yeah, everywhere. And maybe that was, like, part of Carrie's, like, widening of her content creation yeah. on Instagram. You know, it could be as simple as just, like, oh, you got to hire the, the digital content company I use because they're great. I would say it's a little sillier than Reese. But Reese still gets silly sometimes. It's like, I don't know, people who are that famous, I think something clicks at one point for some of them where they're like, I have to seem relatable. I'm too famous. I'm too beautiful. I'm too untouchable. I need to feel normal. And mm -hmm. Instagram's kind of an easy outlet, I guess. But yeah, totally of them. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. I have a question, a who question. And I feel like you probably have already done this a million times before, but is Sarah Paulson of them still I, I think that's where we landed with her but I, I just I feel like during this pandemic her behavior has gotten so hooey it was her birthday today and I, she reposted every single person that wished her ass birthday on her Insta stories it's just I don't know she behaves on Instagram kind of like a middle schooler it's hooey and like, do I don't like? I would have said she was a them, but I then, you know, seeing this behavior, and I also just think, or crowded, clouded. Sorry, I'm a little phony, won't need. Um, clouded by being gay and in New York. Like, does someone in Ohio know who Sarah Paulson is? I don't think so. No one watched Ratchet outside of five people at Vanity Fair. <laughs> very similar argument to Carrie Washington like is it it's because of the Instagram like the Instagram is clouding your judgment of this person they yeah. are still a them they just need this outlet and being silly works really well again just look at Eve Six Guy well I think there's I think there's a thin line between 
being genuinely kooky and unhinged on Instagram, which maybe could be hooey, and also doing a very strategic kind of like use of Instagram to be relatable, which is what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And either that's alongside a company that's that's kind of helping you say, hey, this is a way you should present yourself on Instagram. These are fun ways to do it. Here's some templates. Or just doing it yourself, which I think is more the Sarah Paulson style versus the Kerry Washington style. And But I do think that there kind of is a thin line between – what we would call who we on Instagram and what these people are doing. Because Sarah Paulson, mm-hmm. I think, is a them. I mean, she starred in kind of a huge Netflix show this year. She's winning awards left and right. I don't know. I mean, just, what do you think? I feel like I could be convinced by a good argument that she's a who, <laughs> but I personally am willing to call her a them okay. right now. Like, I'm, fi- I'm fine calling her a them. Yes. But also, like, I think the whoier behavior would be a lot of spawn on Instagram. You know, like I think when Mindy Kaling is out here doing weird spawn for Tide or whoever she does, that's who we are than just like being silly yeah, like Carrie totally. Washington. Yeah. So there's definitely who we Instagram behavior. I don't know that Sarah Paulson and Carrie Washington are doing that. Mm-hmm. Let's play some quick who are them. Hi, um, I just called about something else entirely. But now, like the backlog of potential calls, I'm just really working my way through it. Um, I have a question, which is. Dana Ivy, who are them? I think, like, name recognition-wise, it's, like, big who vibes, but I think she's got, like, a really recognizable face. I feel like she's at least, like, a like an older white character actress them, maybe. I mean, she has so many iconic roles, like, in Home Alone 2, as... Um, hotel front desk worker um obviously the adams family incredible villain um the sabrina remake uh with harrison ford etc uh yeah i don't know i just i think about her a lot you know um okay crunch crunch Lindsay, I don't want you to actually... Lindsay didn't know who Dana Ivey was by name. so I And I told her not to Google her. I'm going to send you a photo. And you're going to say, Oh. Okay. okay Here we go, Lindsay. I want to hear you on mic looking at who Dana Ivey is. Okay. Oh, that woman. <laughs> yes. Got Maggie Smith vibes. But yes, it's... Oh. American Maggie oh, Smith vibes. Oh, my God. This woman, she's always me. Adam's family. She's me. She's, yeah, she's, she's, she's always stern. She's the stern old lady. Yeah, she's yes. always like, this hotel doesn't allow rats or to stay here or whatever, <laughs> you know, something like that. I think she's talking to Kevin McAllister in that photo, yeah. but yeah, he's a rat. Something like that. Like, this hotel doesn't have pizza or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Dana Ivey, uh, who are them? One, two, three. Who? who? Character actress. Character actress. Through and through. Character One of our finest, yes. but yeah. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Have you guys been watching the new season of the challenge? My guess is not, since you never talk about it. But my question is, is Lolo Jones a who are them? I would say them from Olympics. But she's kind of acting Huey now being on the challenge, and apparently she's love interest with this guy from Beastmaster in Germany. And another thought, how come there's no bachelorette people on the challenge? They have, like, love wrecks, all sorts of different stuff. All right. Crunch, crunch. Bye. Okay. I kind of assumed she was like the host of the challenge, but this woman is on the challenge. Like she's, she's competing on the challenge. On the challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a pivot. Yeah. That's a pivot. They're calling yeah, her a it rookie. Just premiered. They're, in They're calling her a rookie. It's like, it's Lolo Jones. 
<laughs> so Lolo Jones, who them? One, two, three. Who? Yeah. Now I'm like, she's a who because she's on the challenge. No, oh, but I think we have this conversation about Olympians a lot. We it's like do. they're seasonal we thems. We do, we do. But Lolo Jones also like had a bit more of a press moment than a lot of Olympians that went longer than her Olympic career, if you remember. She did a lot of reality, like competition shows and stuff. She was out and about a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, do you know anyone else named Lolo? Come on. No. La la plenty. Lolo? Right. No, she's the only one. That's what I'm saying. So I know you would bother standing the flight attendant. Um, and I wanted to know if you could rank the girls, girls from who to them. I think Lena Dunham, Hooligan, is probably like eternal them, even though, I mean, industry's really good, but like, I don't think she does that much anymore, but she's probably them. But then it's like, Zosia works more, but the name, like, no one knows who, everyone knows who Shoshana from Girls is, but no one knows who Zosia is. She was great in Dickinson, too, and The Flight Attendant. Um, Allison Williams is Vemir, but, like, what does she do? And then the, the Kirk sister. So, I, I don't know. It's also weird that, like, the two clear Vemius people are Adam and Andrew Reynolds, which is just hilarious. But is Andrew Reynolds, or you guys just talked about this? Um, yeah, so girls, girls, who to them, crunch, crunch. Girls, girls, who to them, crunch, crunch. If you're asking the girls from girls, that doesn't count Adam Driver, who is the themiest person to come out of this show by far. No, hands down. Mm-hmm. Aside from Let's Lena. just do the main girls. Zaja, Zasha, Zosha, I said Jemima, Zosha in the Allison, song, and now I'm, now I'm feeling self-conscious. Is it Zasha or Zosha? Hello, welcome. I am Zasha Mamet. I think who to them, I'm going to say what mine is, and you tell me if you agree. Yeah. Jemima, Zasha, Alice, and Lena. How do you put Allison at the top? Uh, name recognition, nepotism. But so does, but Mamet has more recognition, Mamet has just as much uh, nepotism as Williams. I think that he has less name recognition than, Al- than Williams. I think Zasha will have a, a more vibrant career than Allison, but... um. <laughs> I think currently as it stands, that's... But I'm willing to hear your your place, your ranking. So I think at one point your ranking was true, but I think right now with Allison Williams truly being MIA, it's the... it's Zasha is, is bumped yeah, up. Yeah, you're probably right. With the, you're with probably the right. success of the flight attendant, and I think Allison Williams is like, where is she? I think they'd be switched for now. Okay, that I'll take it. I'll take where it. Where is she? I feel like we ask this every... Who cares? Yeah, Lindsay's true. like, we need a Peter Pan sequel. No, we, <laughs> we need oh it. Tom Hanks officiated her wedding. Where is this woman? Uh, they, she got a divorce recently. That's the most recent thing that she did. Last call. Last call. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Medium time, medium time. There's been a lot of Grinch talk lately, but I have a very important question. Is Cindy Lou who? A who? Or is she a them? Who's a who? The main reason I have this question is because my boyfriend cannot remember her name and calls her. Sally Woohoo. Yeah, he calls her Sally Woohoo. So we need an answer. Crunch, crunch. Wait, Sally instead of Cindy? I guess that tracks. Honestly, it sounds like Sally Woohoo. <laughs> Sally Woohoo, Cindy Lou Who. Sally Woohoo is not a who are them. Sally Woohoo doesn't exist. Cindy Lou Who. One, two, three. Them, them I guess. Them of Christmas. 
Even though Cindy she is Lou a who. Is a them She's of the them of the who's, though, because I can't name another who. Can you? Now my, we just sound absurd. My head hurts I now. Know, we sound absurd. She is the themiest who. She's the themiest <sighs> who of the who's in Whoville, if we're talking about the who's in Whoville. I can't name another who. Yeah. You're right. I can't name another right. who. She's the only who, but she happens to be a them. She's the only who, which makes her a them. There's a vaudevillian play here that I it's can't who's even on begin first. To it's um, literally yeah. who's on first, but even stupider. Okay, we are done with this episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There. Are we the Colin Show? Colin at six one nine. Who them to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of the main show. Uh, happy holidays, happy new year. There's our Patreon. Well, there's always our Patreon. Check out our Patreon. We're doing a special event for our Patreon. It's gonna be fun. Go check it out. Go mm-hmm. sign up. Hang Go out. Go check it out. A special New Year's event for only Patreons. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Love Apple Podcasts. Um, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Zasha Mamet. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. Um, I had to call you in the middle of the Bachelorette finale because just like uh, last year, we were gifted with um, a contestant saying we in Greece. This year, a contestant named Ben left the show and then he came back and the characters or the contestants um, have been saying Ben is back. Ben's back. Ben, he came back. For like the entire episode and um as you can imagine the who weekly bachelor spinoff facebook group is losing our damn minds in our live thread so i just needed to share um very exciting time for uh for ben because he's back and uh that's it love you guys crunch crunch bye hi lindsey bobby hi my gay boys um so i'm watching <laughs> bachelorette and there's this guy, Ben, and he just came back in this episode. Um, and I just keep giggling the whole time. <laughs> he just keeps going, oh, Ben's back. Ben came back. Ben is back. And I was like, what? They're all freaking out. But he's like, she was so in love with Ben. And <laughs> he's back. <laughs> but I just thought you should know. Love you guys. <laughs> crunch, crunch. I know you're going to love that Bachelorette um, podcast, but Ben is back. On the Bachelorette. Scarlett, get me pop by. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. I'm Tony Family Calls, but this week on The Bachelor, Ben is back. But it's not like Ben is back, you know. It's just Ben is actually back. Okay. Um, Bye, me at home. Hey, Bobby and Lindsay. I just found out that Giovanni Ribisi has a twin. That's all. Crunch, crunch. Who is Jason Schwartzman? <laughs>